Welcome to Amazon Seller Insights. This is a series where we chat with experts who are crushing it on Amazon or in the e-commerce space, and we had to get some real insights, a few stories, and some inspiration that will help to fuel your Amazon business. Alrighty, if you'd like to check out the video version of this episode, go to youtube.com, check out Zonguru's channel under Seller Insights, and you can get it right there. It's Zonguru with a Z. Today, I'm really excited to bring on someone who is a household name for us e-commerce entrepreneurs. If you have a side hustle or a full-time hustle or it's your third side hustle, whatever it is, I bet you you know who this guy is. You probably learned a bunch from him. Uh, This e-commerce legend has started and grown several eight-figure e-commerce businesses by applying the simple theory of consistently working on a side hustle. He's always figuring out new opportunities by solving problems as humans have. And I absolutely love that. He started selling wigs back in 2007, then created a huge cosmetics brand called Boom. I bet you guys know exactly who I'm talking about, followed by Smart Marketer and Zipify. It's the one and only Ezra Firestone. Welcome, Ezra. Hey, super happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I uh, always love the opportunity to talk to you know entrepreneurs and e-commerce business owners about what's what I'm seeing in my businesses and what's working. So appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm super excited about today just to dive into things organically and, and flow through it. But I guess what I'm really excited about covering today uh, and talking with you is is not only your insight in, into entrepreneurism, on, you know, on, into the e-commerce side, which obviously you're a massive expert in, um, but also um, the other equally important part of it, which is, uh, you know, how to build a, a team within your business, how to build a culture, um, how to get that work-life balance how to, how to create those relationships which are deep, meaningful, impactful, not only with your customers, but your team, with your family. You know, this is the mecca, especially for, for us who have a few years of, of entrepreneurialism under our belt. Under, under our belt. You know, we're, we're looking for that financial freedom, but that control of our time and that chance to, to make an impact. So I definitely want to cover off on that. Um, and what I thought today would be really interesting to do is to, is to call this, this chat that we have, what would Ezra do? <laughs> I think that's a cool way of us just to dive into some insights around certain questions uh, and get your top insights there because you have such vast experience um, and we can we can just jump into a few and just riff with it and, and just go with the flow. W-W-E-D. Here we go. All right. That sounds fun. Let's do it. You've obviously been in business since, uh, you know, at least since 2007 and you've launched these massive multi, uh, you know, multi-million dollar companies. And if you look back over that journey, um, and that's fascinating. We could probably just talk about that journey. But if you just look at back over that journey, what is the number one thing without a doubt uh, that Ezra would do again? And what is the one thing that Ezra would not do again? So I would have started much earlier building brand value. And what I mean by that is, you know, I started my business very much the way that Amazon businesses, businesses function, which is search, find, buy where it's all about ranking for specific queries and it's all about optimizing a particular product page, but it's really not about the value of the brand, the story behind the brand, the relationship with the group of people. And in today's world, if you look at the valuation of an Amazon brand, Amazon only, pure Amazon, uh, let's say under $100,000 a year in profit, you're only going to get a 2x multiple on that brand when you go to sell it. If you make 100 grand a year in profit, you'll sell it for 200 kind of max, right? Whereas a purely direct-to-consumer brand, no Amazon, that same 100000 is worth four or five multiples. You're going to sell it for 400, 300 to 500000 let's say. Difference is the assets that a brand owns when it's a direct-to-consumer brand, 
pixeled audiences, groups of people it can communicate with via advertising, email leads, groups of people it can communicate with via emailing, and customers, people's addresses. You can send them in the mail. You can communicate with them. So, um, And more specifically, and, and what is more valuable than just the assets is the relationship between the brand and the subscriber. So I have spent, you know, Google Panda and Google Penguin and Google Hummingbird were the sort of updates to the uh, Google algorithm that took dropship e-commerce businesses back before Chinese dropshipping, which was what I ran from 2007 to 2012. Basically, they were gone because it was no longer could you manipulate the algorithm to rank organically. You had to pay for it. And only the big giant sites were the ones that were kind of that kind of, you know, were able to withstand those updates. And so I realized that really what I had was a cash flow business. I had something that was cash flow. It was not an asset because overnight that asset was taken away, uh, even though I had customer database a little bit. So it wasn't completely gone, but it was like, what I realized was, okay, what is more valuable than just cash flow is a group of people who I have a relationship with who value my brand and what I bring to their life beyond just my product. And so I started focusing on content marketing and storytelling and, um, you know, becoming standing for something and having a mission and having a story and having a purpose beyond just having a product. And when I made that jump, that's when I got into building truly valuable assets that could one day be sold. Because the truth of the matter is wealth creation does not come from cash flow businesses. That's not the way you generate wealth. The way you generate w- wealth is through asset liquidation. And most business owners and entrepreneurs are only focused on how much cash flow does their business kick off every month, every year. That's great, but 60 to 80% of all the money you'll ever make comes the day you sell your business. And so what I'm looking to do is, is build assets that can one day be sold for a high multiple. And if you look at like our parents' generation, they understood this in terms of they took their 401ks, they invested it in real estate assets, they let those assets appreciate. And then they sold those assets for five to 10 times what they were worth when they bought them. And so, you know, you look at the highest returning um, class of business in America, it's private equity, which is simply the purchase of businesses, operating them to grow them and then selling them later. So I think the game is resource generation. Like you're, you're a business owner because you want to generate resource that you can use to take care of your family and your community, serve the world at large, do whatever you want to do. And the true way to generate resource is the sale of assets. And so I would have started sooner developing assets that had value rather than focusing on cash flow hustles, like, you know, building something that just makes me money every month, that, but that can never be sold or, or not putting my energy in the direction of the most valuable asset possible, which is a brand that has, um, you know, channels of visibility. Like if you take an Amazon brand that does a million dollars a month on Amazon and you get it to a million dollars a year on Amazon and profit and you get 50 grand a year on profit on a Shopify store, you've increased the multiple. Forget about the 50 grand extra you make. You've increased the multiple that that brand will sell for because it has more stability now. So so I, that's kind of like what I would have focused on, uh, what I would have done more of, and what I would have done again, or what I would have done, uh, the question was, what would you have not done? What would you have done? Yeah, what you okay. said, what you have not done. So that's done. what I would have done. What would have done. Yeah. How about that? Uh, and then what would I have not done? Um, I would have um, not spent all the time I spent not mastering paid amplification. So I spent seven years. I spent from 2005 to 2012, seven years, not really worrying about paid advertising as a core skill set that my brands had. And I, I should have adopted it sooner than most. And I'm now one of the best in the world at it, but I would have done it sooner because you look at every giant company and 
the biggest driver of their growth is paid spend across the board. And so if you can figure out how to use paid spend to drive your brand's growth, you have a leg up on all the competition. And so, um, you know, I would have, I wouldn't have wasted so much time not knowing that skill. Yeah. Geez, there's so much to unpack there in the, in the first five minutes of this conversation. But, uh, you know, just, just on the paid side, I think, you know, just applying that to, to the Amazon, um, you know, environment, you know, or ecosystem right now, that's absolutely what, um, sellers are seeing. I mean, you've got big brands coming onto Amazon now that are absolutely spending, uh, paid media, like, like it's crazy, you know? So, um, if you don't understand PPC at a, at a granular level now, when you're launching your brands just on Amazon, um, you're doing a disservice to yourself and you can't yeah, scale. Yeah. So it's really critical. One way to frame this is not, yes, you want to be an expert at it, but moreover, you want to adopt a mindset that goes like this. Whatever my top line revenue is, let's say my top line, top line revenue, not profit, top line revenue is, um, you know, a million dollars a year. You need to be spending between 100000 and 300000 on paid advertising. 10 to 30% of your top line revenue should mm-hmm. be spent reinvested on paid amplification. If you're not spending that enough, you're not spending that much, you're not spending enough. I skew towards the high end. I make 25 million a year in one of my brands. I'm going to spend six to 8 million on ads the next year. Mm-hmm. So you have to adopt this mindset that, that paid amplification is what is the fuel that drives the vehicle of your business forward. And you have to take more of your money than you think and spend it on that. And if you do it yourself or you get an agency to do it, whatever, but as the CEO founder, you need to adopt this idea that I'm investing, I'm watering a seed that is my brand. And that seed is going to sprout and it's going to come up through the soil and it's going to break through the soil. It's going to get big. But if I start, if I'm watering it before it gets through the soil and I start cutting at it and cutting at it, it's never going to grow. You have to take as much as you possibly can and reinvest in paid ads. Don't pull from your brand. Put it all back in. Absolutely. And let me, let me just kind of cap that by saying like, if you're going to do that and you don't understand your metrics, you are not going to scale. So the advice on that is like understand granularly the metrics and how, you know, what it needs to do to be able to scale because you don't want to just spend if you don't understand your metrics. I always say that, that your first birthday as an entrepreneur is setting your first company. You know, that's, that's what we've got to get to. That's what makes you into an absolute entrepreneur. So I'm that's bang on, bang on with you there for sure. But, but this idea of, of creating a brand, um, you know, that's exactly what, what we teach, um, you know, here at Songuru is if you can create a great brand up front, everything else will flow naturally and easily. Um, and, and, you know, if you really focus up front on creating that asset and the ability to visualize what your brand can be, um, you are going to, everything else after that is easier. You're not hustling as much. You, you, you're creating that connection. So, you know, that, that work up front is really important. But also, you know, for, for those people who have a vision of, of they're starting right now, right? So, so absolutely cash flow is great and Amazon is a great place to get that. But visualize that piece of your business as a lead magnet where you're starting that journey and that first customer um, you know, engagement with Amazon. They're searching, they buy your product, great, but it's what you do after, you know, the relationship that you can build and you can take them off of Amazon to Shopify, whatever that is. That's, that's the ultimate pathway for, for Amazon sellers and you can, you know, you're diversifying your risk, you're creating a brand, you're creating something sellable and you're moving out of that commodity space of what Amazon can be. You're finding that niche within a niche, you're finding something that you can really create a great private label brand around and then, and then you're using that to scale. That's, that's ultimately what people should be doing on Amazon right now if they want to create a good consistent business that grows over time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you yeah. know, you can start with just product and just Amazon and then expand as you have time and money. 
you know, if you're looking to build a business over the next five years, what should we be paying attention to? You know, what would Ezra do? So if you look at most brands, they have one core flagship product. And this may not be this, the um, case for Amazon, but if you look at most direct-to-consumer brands, there's like one core flagship offer that drives all their customer acquisition. And then there's all the back-end products that they upsell and cross-sell to customers who came in for the one item. It's like 80% of their revenue comes from one item. So if you're looking to build businesses like I am, which are direct-to-consumer focused, paid amplification based through my own sales process, um, instead of expanding too quickly, I would spend two years just focusing on one offer, developing sales processes for it, running ads to it, building out customer testimonials for it, just really going super deep on one front-end customer acquisition offer. Definitely have things to upsell and cross-sell on the back-end, but but I cannot stress to you how incomplete most people's sales processes are for their, their core offer. The other thing I would do is, you know, if you don't already have the skill of paid ads, either hire the best agency in the world or master that skill yourself. I'd recommend going through a course like the one I teach, train my traffic person or a free, I have a couple free courses, but like at least understanding the concepts of it yourself so that you can know whether or not an agency is doing well as the CEO founder, um, at least have a level of understanding of, of how it works. Um, so if you don't have that skill set, it's one to adopt because it's only going to get um, more important as the years go on. Um, and then the other thing is like understand margin profile because biz, you know margin profile is the most important thing to understand in e-commerce. If you're on Amazon and you're buying for one and selling for two, you buy for 10 and sell for 20, that doesn't work off of Amazon. Amazon, you get a 20% conversion rate on your product listing page and they're giving you all buyers. They're sending them to the listing for you or they're, you know, it's like they're there to buy their credit cards on file and you only have to worry about optimizing your product listing. Well, if you want to expand from Amazon, you need to understand that in e-commerce, a traditional conversion rate is more like one to 4% on a product offer page. Mm. So you got to get good at driving visibility of people who are interested and you have to have better margins, which can just simply mean raising your prices. So mm. um, I would focus on um, video creative because right now the most important thing the most important skill is the ability to capture somebody who's consuming the digital medium tell a story to them that they're interested in and get them to your offer page and so that comes down to video advertising so that's something that's only going up I mean internet traffic is up 40% since coronavirus um, advertising costs are down about 40% because half of the people are out of the auction so it's really the best time ever to be advertising so you know it, look I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The, fun, the basics win ball games. Go look at the Michael Jordan documentary. It's like the fundamentals, good product that actually works. High margins, good advertising, optimized sales process, average order value optimization, upsell, cross-sell on the back end for lifetime customer value optimization. And the understanding that the best product doesn't win in the marketplace. The best promise does. Whoever makes the best promise wins. The product has to live up to the promise that was made. But it's not what people buy. People buy the promise, not the product. So if you're so focused on your product that you forget to make a good promise, you're, you're screwed because the best product's not going to win. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of, of uh, someone who I inter interviewed on, on uh, this, the show, uh, Raj Jana, who's got uh, Java Press as his brand. Um, and he, he did exactly that where you know, he, he literally saw his, his coffee press as his lead magnet um, that he sold on Amazon. But once he got the traffic to his website, he, he upsold them on a subscription business to Coffee Beats, right? And so now you've created this, this cash flow around this lead magnet, but you've created this amazing brand around coffee and, and you, know, um, you, you know, a subscription business on coffee that, that now is a sellable asset. So 
um, you know, if you're doing those fundamental fundamentals right on Amazon, but understanding how to grow a brand, um, uh, absolutely. Agree. Yeah, and it's like all these Amazon brands that make all this money on Amazon and put it in their pocket or reinvest it into launching new products on Amazon. That's great, but it, my advice would be 20% of your profit should go to brand expansion because the assets that you have outside of Amazon, expansion meaning set up your own Shopify store and take 20% of that profit and run ads to it, build audiences, build email leads, get some customers. Who cares if it's not profitable? Just build that digital footprint because it makes the overall brand more profitable. And the game is how valuable is the brand? Not how much money do you make today? How much money yeah. do you make when you sell it? So if you spent three years and 20% of your profit or 30% of your, your profit building out your Shopify infrastructure, well, in the third year, you have the benefit of all the emails, all the audiences, all the customers from those previous years. And guess what? Your brand is only valued on a trailing 12 months of profit, not the four years it took you to get there, right? So people are not looking at this properly. They're looking at how much money can I get out? That is the wrong thing to ask. The right thing to ask is, what can I put in to make the brand the most valuable so that in four years when I sell it, I get the highest multiple. That's the game afoot. You miss the point if you think the game afoot is monthly cash flow. That is not the game. If your goal is wealth creation, which look, dude, I got what, 12 years at this pace? I'm, I'm 33. I'm not work past 50. I'm not doing this at this pace, right? 10 to 15 max. I got to make a hundred million dollars liquid in that 15 years. I got 60 hippies to support. I got a lot of shit I want to do and cash flows. Cash flow businesses are not going to get me there. Asset liquidation will. So what game are you playing? And look, there's nothing wrong with the game of, I want to build a lifestyle business that I just operate that's smooth, that pays my bills every month, and I'm not worried about it. Right on. But even in that case, well, dude, Amazon is inherently volatile. Hijackers, negative reviews, Amazon backdooring you to your suppliers. Amazon's the best business model in the world to start with. And it is inherently stable. I mean, think about how many Amazon brands have been around for 10 years. It's not so volatile that you can't operate it. Love the Amazon business model. Big fan of it. Tell every single person who wants to get into the game, start there. But if you're five years in and you haven't started expanding, you've missed, you've missed the point of this whole thing, in my opinion. Hey, if you want to connect with us on social channels, check us out at Zonguru for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Check us out right now at Zonguru. I think it's that, that ultimate shift in thinking from, great, I need to create some cash flow now, but what is my five-year plan? Um, and if the five-year plan is to grow an asset that is sellable, that can expand beyond Amazon, but importantly, that you're, you're building that connection with your customer and, and your database and their assets um, and doing those fundamental fundamentals right, you know, a little bit of time and you've built up a, a powerhouse, you know, and, and yeah, you're absolutely right that if you don't have that vision for what, you are trying to build you don't have the fundamentals in place you know one or two years later you might have some cash flow but you've missed the boat and i 100 percent agree with you maybe just expanding on that but what would Azure do if i'm 22 years old right now i'm in the middle of this pandemic i was i've i've got 10 grand together and i'm like great i'm ready to start my side hustle um what would Azure do what where, where would you think of putting that you just said like amazon's a great place to start would you start i would there? i would do amazon 100 percent I would yeah. start on Amazon. Easiest place to make a dollar. E best chance of making sales. Everybody on there is ready to buy. So if you, 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 guar you guaranteed, look, it's your visibility source and it's your shopping cart. You have to optimize a product listing, create a good product, get some reviews, run some ads. I mean, it's, that's a high level of it, right? But mm -hmm. if you're trying to start a business, there is no easier and better. You don't have a better shot at anything else. You have yeah. the best shot at Amazon. So that is where you start. 
Yeah. Go to yeah. you teach us how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't teach it. I haven't been doing it for three yeah. years. I sold my multi-million dollar Amazon business two years ago. I haven't been yeah. in the game since. So yeah. Yeah. I'm not really on Amazon, nor am I teaching how to succeed there. Yeah. Um, but there's no question that it is the right place to start. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and do that with the right place to start. But to your point, like let's have a vision for five years and, and one place to absolutely um, expand is, is, is Shopify. I think, you know, just watching what's happening, even in the Amazon space, it's commodity focused, big brands. I think there's going to be a huge opportunity, not only in the right now, but I think in the very near future for, for, for people who've created private label brands to, to be on Shopify, especially if they create their own kind of like search portal, um, on that front, which I'm sure they're going to do soon. But, you know, what, what would Ezra do there in terms of if I've got a business on Amazon and I'm looking to take it over to Shopify, um, you know, what, what, would, what would Ezra do there? How, how would you approach that? Sign up for Shopify using my affiliate link so I get paid for sure. referring you. Uh, install Zipify pages, which is my landing page builder. Build out your site with conversion best practices the way that I teach and all the templates are in there to do that. Um, set up retargeting first. So people who visit the page, because people are going to find you. If you, you make five grand a month, if you do a hundred grand on Amazon, you do five grand on Shopify without doing anything. Optimize your home page and your product pages for your brand brand name and your product uh, product names. Just meta title, meta meta description, so that it ranks in Google uh, for those when people search them, which they will. Set up um, branded search on Google AdWords. So when someone types in your brand, instead of Amazon showing up, your website shows up. Set up retargeting on Facebook. And that alone will get you 5 to 10%. Just do that. Then as you have money, go take a couple of my free Facebook ad courses and start spending some of it on putting out video ads, trying to get people back to your site and that kind of thing. But I would start with just the um, infrastructure setup first. I got one question here, which, which I think is important. I'm sure you've read uh, Seth Godin's book, The Dip. Um, I don't know if you've read that or not, but, but basically you know, what, what he talks about is as, the, as you start your entrepreneurial journey, you, you, you obviously get into some hard times you know, where, where things get really hard. And it's at that time, which is really important to either make the decision to get out and get out early and say, okay, I'm done with it. Or if you're going to stay in it, you have to absolutely operate at you know, 100% and be elitist in whatever you do. Because if you can come out of the other side of the, of the dip doing things really well, you have a mess. That's when the scale begins. You know? So um, maybe just on, on your approach, which is like if someone is – launch the product or they're in their entrepreneurial journey and they just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. They, they're in the dip, they're struggling, but they're in it and they want to go through this. What is your advice to them? What is the one thing they should be focusing on? Mindset, it could be anything to kind of get through that dip and, and just get going. Well, this idea that things are not always hard is misguided. I tell you what, I have a hundred team members. I, I'm some bum off a couch in Brooklyn who started a business in 2005 and now I'm 15 years in and I've been doing it and now it's successful. But it's like, hey, the key to success is consistency. I'm not thing special. I'm some guy. But I've been doing this now for 15 years. I got pretty good at it because I showed up every day with a positive attitude and I took the next step I could take in the direction of my goals. And I watched other people burn out and I watched other people work 16 hours a day, ignore their families, ignore their social life, ignore their relationships, ignore their body, ignore their health, not sleep and burn out. And go through anxiety and go through depression because it wasn't working. And I stayed steady eight hours a day, five, four or five days a week, consistent, taking the steps I could take. And that's the, that's the game is like things. And, and right now shit is going right and shit is going wrong. And as an entrepreneur, you are the end of the line. It's you're under all this pressure. You got to pay the salary. You got to make sure that the taxes are paid. You got to make sure that the supply chain's in order. You got to make sure that the market you're, you are responsible for the whole thing. And that pressure 
is inherent and innate in this position. And now it has it has its benefits. You then get all the benefit, mostly for the success of the thing, but you also get all the the weight of the failures of it. If shit isn't going right, it's not your CMO's fault. It's not your supply chain's fault. None of it, it's your fault. You are responsible for everything that happens in your organization. If you try to shuck responsibility, good luck. Good okay, yeah, it's your fault. Someone else's fault. If you don't take responsibility for everything in your organization and make sure and be the one who guarantees it, then it's not going to go well for you. And if you take this this approach that you're shucking responsibility off to someone else, then that is a defeatism. That's a defeated approach. It's like, oh, well, it didn't work because of that person. No, it didn't work because you were not paying enough attention or, okay, that person didn't work out. You didn't replace them. Like the, at the end of the day, it's always going to be hard. And so what can you do? You can acknowledge and accept that shit is always going to be hard. And sometimes it's going to be going real well. And sometimes it's not. And you can stay consistent in your behavior, whether it's good or bad. What variable you can control is your reaction to what is happening, which is to show up, look around, get some guidance, figure out what to do next and do it. And that's the game, man, is a daily, it takes eternal vigilance. It takes a daily willingness to do what you can do right now. My main business that does 25 million a year doesn't have a supplier. Well, that's pretty freaky. I got 40 employees. I got a million in overhead every month and I got a month worth of inventory. I could be freaking out. I'm not. I'm figuring out how to fix it. I'm getting new suppliers on board. I'm rallying my old suppliers. I'm figuring out what to do if I run out of stock. I'm trying to solve the problem. And I'm not doing it from a freak out state. It's like, no, okay. It's intense right now. I signed up for this. I, I, I take responsibility for this. I wanted this ride, which now comes with a fucking global pandemic and no supply chain. Well, that's nobody's fault but my own. I'm the one who created all this madness in the first place. Now I'm going to be all the victim of it. Well, that is, you can't have it both ways. You either did this or you didn't. And if you're doing this, then it's your fault. So fix it, show up, be, be positive, take the step you can take, get help, you know, like that. hundred percent, man. I think, I think that that's a true sign up, a sign of a great leader. I think is, you know, when, when shit doesn't go well, take the responsibility, but when things are going well, give the praise, you know? And, and don't take that. And I think that's, that's a really important point. And I think the other thing, just to sum up what you were saying there around consistency, it's so critical. I think the true talent of, of entrepreneurs is that consistency, but to do it without overwhelm. And, and I think that talent is, is, is you've got a, a thousand things to do right now, but if you can pick out the five big rocks that you need to do right now, today or this week, and just focus on that and do that consistently, you will grow that business and, and, and get things done. So it's about being able to pick out and prioritize what are the big rocks that are going to have the most impact on my business and my way forward right now and just getting that done and everything else will fall into place. You know? So um, I'm, I'm 100% in, in agreement with you on that for sure. You know, we, we're obviously here to, to grow an asset, to, to hit that $100 million you know, in, in profit or whatever it is. But it's, it's, it's time that we have on this earth, Right. And we're spending, 50, you've already had 15 years and you've got maybe another 15 years that you want to do to get there. That's time that you literally have on this earth to do what you want with it. Um, and you're growing a business, but other things are happening. So, so what, what, what gives you satisfaction? What are the things that you just, outside of the hard things, I mean, the hard things we enjoy, but, but what gives you the satisfaction? So I have this, um, this way that I approach business. I have three steps. Number one, have fun. Enjoy what you're doing. First and foremost, most important thing. If you're not enjoying it, stop. Go do something else. My business partner died just like that last year out of nowhere. Like you don't know how long you got. If you do this thought experiment and you say the last three months of my life, if I if I got a diagnosed with a rare form of cancer 
It's kind of heavy, but, if, but run the thought experiment. And I died in a week. Was I happy with how I spent the last three months? Did I take care of myself? Did I spend time with my family? Was I having fun or was I freaking miserable and, and working all crazy? It's like, first and foremost, I'm going to prioritize pleasure and having a good time. I call it responsible hedonism. Hedonism t- gets a bad rap because the idea of hedonism is you care about just having fun at the expense of everybody. No, responsible hedonism is I'm taking into account everybody around me, my team, my wife, the whole thing, but I'm also going to prioritize for my own personal enjoyment because that's how I can show up best to anything is if I'm happy. If I'm unhappy, I'm not showing up properly. I'm not going to give it my all. I'm not going to be present. I'm not going to I'm I'm going to be resentful. So, first and foremost, have fun. Secondly, make good things that serve the world. Truly good things that serve the world. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to spend my energy on some bullshit. I want it to be good. Third, be profitable. If you can do that at any level, 100 grand a year in profit, you've won the game. Everybody wants to focus on how big can you get. Well, that is a misguided and bullshit approach because with size comes complexity and intensity. I can't tell you the number of nine-figure companies that wish they'd go back to when they were doing half a million a year in profit with three employees. I mean, it's like the idea of bigger is better is stupid. What's the right way to go about it is, can I have a good time? Can I make good stuff? And can I be profitable in that order? And if you can do that, you have won this game. And so, you know, I am like, what makes me happy is a fridge full of sparkling water. I didn't have any money growing up. We never had fancy beverages in the fridge. We never had Lunchables. It was hand-me-down clothes. And you, when you eat, it's at school because school, they give you free food. I got a nice fridge full of stuff. I open that shit up. I got things in there. I'm happy. It's like, it's about my daily experience. I want to show up. I want to be enjoying my work. I want to put energy into products that are good and serve the world. And I want to be profitable and spend time with my wife. I want to, you know, enjoy my hobbies. I want to, uh, you know, take care of my body. I want to have a social life. Like it's about my daily existence. It's not about getting anywhere. If you're not happy here and now, you will not be happy there and then. That is a fucking myth. You got to figure out how to be happy here and now. And that's it. You have to figure out how to enjoy what you have. It's a far, far greater skill to have the ability to enjoy what you have than to have the ability to get what you want. Getting what you want becomes what you have. You can't enjoy what you have. What's the point? So for me, it's about like deriving pleasure and satisfaction out of my daily existence, which includes a practice of gratitude, looking to be grateful for the things that I have in my life, for all the abundance, for having been fortunate enough to have been born on the patch of dirt where I have freedom of thought and freedom of belief and freedom of, the you know, you get born on some other patch of dirt and that's not the case. It's a lot of people living impoverished just by where they were born or living under dictatorships that do not allow them the basic freedoms we have here in America. Like if you're not grateful for that, you don't have a family that, that immigrated here from another country, which I do. It's like, you don't, you don't, you don't have context for how good we have it. So I don't know, man, I'm rambling now, but that's, no, that's I mean, it's an important thing. And I think just for, for the young starters in, in entrepreneur life, like being able to focus on how to be happy now and, and how to be grateful. Um, so often we, we, we skip on that, on that part. And um, if you don't have that and you don't exude that, um, you know, even the team you're trying to build or the leadership or whatever you're trying to build is, is, is not going to come together. And I think it's just, it's just massively important. I think the other thing I would, I mean, I agree with everything you said there. I think the other thing there just in, in, in satisfaction of building businesses is also um, providing an opportunity for, you, you know, your team who works with you to, to grow within the business, but also the responsibility and the acknowledgement that they're giving their time to your business and, um, you know, ensuring that they have the ability to grow outside of the organization with whatever they're doing in their life is really critically important. And I love the, um, you know, having the ability to, to 
to enhance both of those things, their, their yeah. learning within work and also without, outside of work. Yeah. I think it's, it's important. We always look to bring people up. Like every, every high-ranking person in our organization started in support, our CMO, our copywriter, our lead social manager. So we're like looking to, yeah, I mean, like I want to, I get into my whole philosophy around hiring and team and, and how, how we approach you know, the experience of working at this company. But it is important, you're right. Like the people that work with you should be benefiting from the overall like they're contributing their life force to this thing, man. And yeah, I mean, look, this is going to be a hard thing for young people to hear. When you're young, you're just trying to make it. You're hungry. You're not paying attention to any of this stuff. This is more of an evolved viewpoint after you've been in it a while. But if you can adopt these viewpoints at a younger age, you have a much better chance at being successful ultimately because ultimately all this stuff we're talking about actually ends up making you more successful, not less, which is what you don't think that, right? You think I work 14 hours a day when you're young and you're starting out. but actually. The more balanced approach is more effective. Yeah, and, and and probably the advice on that is is you know for for young people starting right now, you have the hunger, work the hours, you know, build that business, but um, you know, get a mentor, someone older with experience who can just help you with your vision, you know, because if you can have that hunger and you can build what you have right now, but you have a mentor who can help you understand the vision of what you're trying to do and where you want to be in the five years or the ten years, that is going to make a massive difference on your your trajectory and where you end up. And I think it's so critical. So find your mentor, find, be humble enough to, to find someone who can, who can help you. And, and it doesn't have to be a physical person that you speak to. It can be Ezra, you know, it could be um, some other educator. There's, there's, we're in such an amazing um, place right now in the world where through digital connection, we can, we can find who we need. Um, and it's just, it's just massively important. So, um, you know, find that mentor for sure. So if you'd like to get exclusive access to episodes early, Go to our private Facebook group, Amazon Seller Network, subscribe today, and you can get episodes as soon as they're released, as well as be able to interact with our whole massive community right there in that private Facebook group. By the way, if you like any of this stuff, follow me on Instagram at Ezra Firestone, because that's where it all goes down. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, 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 we've got an interesting, just for Zonguru, but we have um, an Instagram channel uh, at Zonguru, but we've dedicated that to product ideas and inspiration. So it's a, it's just a feed of great product ideas. What's hot, what's not, how do you differentiate your product, that kind of stuff. So we're, we've got a really interesting um, channel that helps, helps our users anyway. So if you don't follow us on, on Instagram, definitely do that. You know, as a person who's maybe lost their job, they, they, they're trying to figure out what's next. Um, you know, what should be their mindset? You know, how do they look for opportunity? This is, a, this is an, for a lot of entrepreneurs, this can be make or break for them. So how do they approach what's going on to find the opportunity to bring value? Um, what's the mindset? What, what would Ezra do? Um, so you've lost your job and you don't have any money? or where, like where You've lost your job. Maybe you have some money, but you, 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 you're trying to figure out, like, I want, I want to grow something. I want to be involved. So now, like, now's the time to acquire skills, yeah. especially skills related to the digital uh, landscape of work, right? Like you and I have been in the, I don't know how long you've been in it, but you and I have been in it. A long time we, we understand a lot of the principles and concepts and ideas behind what makes digital business function if i had lost my job and i was working at the grocery store or i was i mean look half of my team worked at cracker barrel or you know like we're not tech people if you grew up with an iphone you know or if you're if you're if you're under 45 you grew up with technology you had computers in high school you know enough about tech to understand how digital businesses function and where you can add value. So I would invest heavy over the next four months in educating myself. I'd go through the entire smart marketer course catalog, not just because I teach it and think it's great, but because it will tell you 
where you can add value. You could learn to be a social media manager, a digital project manager, an advertiser, uh, a company founder and CEO, but you got to understand how do these businesses work? So I would really up level. I would use the time not to consume movies on Netflix, but to educate myself on digital business because this is the future. This pandemic will fast forward the growth rate of e-commerce in America and across the world. Hyperspeed, man. Five years ahead of where it would have been. So it's a really good time to up-level your, your, your knowledge and education in this sector. So I wouldn't so much worry about trying to start something. I'd worry about um, you know getting, like everybody says, take massive action. It's actually bad advice because if you take action in the wrong direction, then you got to travel. Let's say you go a mile this way. Now you went a mile, but you got to come all the way a mile back before you can go forward. So you got to go two miles before you even start. So I would stop, absorb, learn. And take massive action, but massive um, educated you know, action. Yes, like educated. Don't just start doing shit. That's not good. You want to. In this, by the way, I'm giving this advice only after my 20s. Do it all, whatever. Didn't matter. Run. And then I and I've learned this lesson so many times in life. It's like okay, speed of implementation is important, but not if it's ill-informed implementation. I'm, in my 30s, I've really learned the skill of sit back. Watch, listen, deliberate, breathe. That's the thing. Okay, boom, hundred percent in that direction. But like, I no longer just, you know, do things all crazy intense. I wait a little bit. I take a little bit of a step. I, I've, it's taken me. To, I mean, I started twelve years to learn that lesson. And uh, you know, there's. It's not uh, a coincidence that the last four years of my business life have been a hundred times more effective than the previous twelve. It's it, it coincides with that lesson. Yeah, I can't I can't I can't wait for the the Ezra what did Ezra do when he's in his forties and his fifties? You know, it's going to be going to be interesting know, to to see where it ends. I don't know but, it all, man. I know some stuff. You know, I don't yeah. claim to know it all. I'm in, I'm a student, always yeah. a student. No, no, I mean that 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 gave me that gave me goosebumps. I think it, you know it, it is about education, um, and you know. Just, just that idea of like what e-commerce is going to become. People don't not, not necessarily recognize the silver lining of what's happening right now um, in the e-commerce side. And if you're in it, it's going to be an amazing ride. And and also, you know, I'd add to, to the pandemic right now, like what happens with with things when they get shook up like they're getting right now is they become they become more problems that need to be solved. So it's about paying attention to what are the problems that need to be solved and finding out how to solve it. And if you can do that and think about it, Bring people together. Okay, I've got this idea. I need to solve it for what's happening right now. Let me get an expert. Bring together a team and start your little business. You know, that's how the Ubers and whatever else started during the you know two thousand and eight. You know, that, that that's the kind of stuff. So, um, you know, look for problems that, that that have arisen because of what's happening in the world today, and then find out ways to solve it. And I think that can that can help too. Just just maybe to end, but uh, you know, uh, the the pandemic has ended, and I'm up for an, an adventure. What would Ezra do? You're up for an adventure? No, I'm just saying, like, just in general, like, the pandemic's ended. I'm up for a next adventure. What would Ezra do? What would be his adventure? Where would you go? What would you do? It's so hard to know, man. Like, <laughs> is it safe out there? The pandemic's actually over? It's actually It's already safe. over. It's over. It's done. What, what would Ezra do? I'm going to Hawaii. I grew up in Hawaii, and, uh, you know, I miss, I miss my home, and I usually go back a couple times a year. I got my high school friends there, and, you know, my, some of my family's still there. Um, and it's, you know, my childhood memories, my elementary school, high school memories are there. And so. Which uh, island? Uh, Oahu. Okay. North Shore of Oahu, Haleiwa. Dude, uh, pipeline all the way. I'd love to, love to get yeah, there yeah. and check that I, out. I grew up surfing, surfing pipe. I was never that great, but I surfed it. 
Um, so, so that's where I'm going. You know, um, I thought about riding out the pandemic there. If I wasn't moving and building a house in New York, I would be in Hawaii right now, hundred percent. Um, so, so yeah, I'm not so much, you know, look, dude, I'm a charismatic hermit. I mostly want to be up at the top of the mountain away from everybody. And then I come down for a couple days and I'll schmooze. And then I'm going to go and be away from everybody in my little cave making shit for months at a time. Like I'm not really Mr. Social guy. Um, I'm working on that, but it's not my core tendency. Like I'm, I'm charismatic and I'm enthusiastic and I, and I especially like talking to people when they are on mute or I'm on a stage and I just get to say shit. That is good. I enjoy that. But like a big group of people where it's all intense, it's not really my parties and clubs and, you know, large groups where everybody's, it's just like, I find those experiences quite intense and, and I have a hard time figuring out how to uh, socialize in some kind of a way without feeling insecure or anxious or just like, I don't find those experiences a little weird. So I haven't quite, I'm not like go out on a boat cruise with a group of people I don't know, or show up at some entrepreneur party with 300 people. I don't know. It's not my style. I'd much rather a group of four people who I've known for five years. I, I like that better. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting personality trait. And, and for those who are listening, if, if you have that trait where you, you maybe not as social as a lot of other people, it's actually a good thing. Cause a lot of successful entrepreneurs are actually exactly that. They, they seem like they're these big social, you know, butterflies, but, but actually they don't love it at all. Um, so it's, that's, that's a good thing to, to pick up on. What's uh, what's your number one genius work life hack, uh, I guess, for, for some guys out here, what's the one thing you love, love to do that, that makes things simpler? Life hack, a genius life hack. Um, focus on being interested, not interesting. Yes. Interesting is what you're taught to focus on. You know, learn cool language, learn cool things, have cool stories to tell, tell jokes, you know, show off how cool you are. But like interested is what wins. Interested in other people, interested in business, interested in develop. Like your focus, like not having your attention on yourself and trying to get people to approve of you for some, but rather having your attention outward and not worried about whether you're approved of or not, like approve of yourself internally, be happy with who you are and focus on what interests you. And that is how you win at life. The focus on I'm going to do things for the approval of others to fit into my social group to, you know, be, yeah, the seeking of approval through trying to be interesting is a failing strategy. I can tell you from experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we, 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 we approach it in the same way where one of our highest values is curiosity. And I think if you're in whatever you do, if you have curiosity or if you're interested, um, you will figure out how to solve things and you'll do a really good job at whatever it is that you're doing. So curiosity, interested. Yeah. I 100% agree. Ezra, that's been, that's been amazing. I know, I know we are out of time. We could, we could chat all day, but, um, you know, uh, if there's anything you want to say to the audience or, or also where, how can they find you? How can they connect with you? Um, a last piece of advice, whatever you got there, shout it out. Uh, yeah, go to smartmarketer.com. That's my blog where I share my, you know, entrepreneurial journey. I'm always sharing good stuff. Um, and uh, follow me on Instagram at Ezra Firestone. I'm also on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, I'm on uh, YouTube. I'm on Facebook. Facebook is forward slash meet Ezra. Uh, YouTube is youtube.com forward slash the smart marketer. Uh, Twitter is at Ezra Firestone, but Instagram is really what's going off right now. I got, I've gone on Instagram from like nothing to 25,000 followers only because it seems like that is where all the activity is happening. Uh, right now it seems to be like the most it's where I go to consume content right now as a social media consumer. Uh, I really enjoy Instagram as a platform. Like I like the little images and videos, not having to read text and stuff. So uh, I, I'm, I'm doing stories a lot. You get a little peek into my, my life in the stories. It's less business content. It's more more kind of like, hey, this is what's going on in my life today. Um, and I really enjoy 
relating with people through that particular platform at this moment. I'm still everywhere and all my content is everywhere. So check me out, but, but follow me on Instagram and uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. If you, if you want to get some mentorship from Ezra, just follow his Insta stories and I'm sure you'll get, get what you need there as you hustle through these first few businesses that you're putting together. So Ezra, thank you so much, uh, guys. Thank you very much, Ezra. And uh, we'll definitely hopefully connect soon about the next adventure. Yeah, man. I look forward to more collaborations. Thanks for having me on. If you enjoyed this episode, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts and subscribe today to check out all of our other episodes.